Welcome back to the HQ Fit Podcast with your host, Steven Slack. Today, we're going to talk to Nate Wojcik about running strategies, programs, strength training options, and much, much more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. All right, so I'm here with Nate Wojcik, as I promised, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this talk. I I wanted to start off with just a little bit of your background. So I know that uh, something that really uh, impressed me was that you were a runner, but at a very high level as of recently, right? Right, yeah. So thanks for having me, first of all. Uh, It's good to to talk to you. Um, you. So actually, going way back, I I wasn't originally a runner. Uh, I I was a football baseball basketball guy so going into high school I played those sports and I was I was small I was short and super skinny so (laughs) (laughs) my mom said that I should try something other than football so I started running Um, okay yeah and I I wasn't very good at it so um it's you know it wasn't something (laughs) that came natural so you know everybody thinks oh you must be you know good at running but that's not how it was so I, I started running in high school um, high school, I got better and better. I, I actually quit baseball for, for track, so I started doing cross-country basketball and track. And then uh, so I ran all through high school. I was okay. Wow. You know, I could run in college, but I, I wanted to take academics first, so I went to a school that was academic priority. Um, okay. Right. So um, as I got into college, I started, you know, I kept running. Uh, my freshman year, I didn't do so good. I was a longer distance person at the time. Okay, uh, what's longer distance? So high school, I was a pretty much a primarily a two miler. I ran the mile and the two mile pretty okay. much. Um, and then like cross country was like the five k. Okay. Um, and then and then when you got to college, it was an eight k and in the fall. And then I was doing like three k, five k stuff for for track. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, still yeah. Long. So I was uh, I was running that and I was doing oh you know I was okay, um, but my my coach said you know what you're gonna run the 800 you got an 800 stride, um, so I switched <laughs> to the 800 uh, out of you know nowhere and I, my first 800 I think was indoor and I ran like a a 206, um, which is if you know if you don't know it's not very good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so you compare, people that, compare that 206 compared to, uh, you know, maybe a top college athlete at that, at that uh, race. So top college athletes and kind of where I ended my career were, was down like one fifth, a minute, 50 seconds, you know, and below. Oh, wow. You're shaving um, off so, 16 whole seconds there. Right. So I, I, I ran that in indoor and I was like, man, I was so bummed out. Cause you know, I was pretty good in high school and I got to college and I wasn't even the best kid on the team. Um, <laughs> And then now he's telling me I'm, I have to run the 800. So I'm thinking, oh, man. So I said to him, I'm like, I don't think that's a good idea. You know, let's go back to what we were, we were trying before. And he said, no, I'll stick with it. Um, so I, I stuck with it. And uh, by my senior year, I got down, you know, shaved off pretty much, I don't know, what was like 15, 16, you know, 15 seconds or so, 16 yeah. seconds. Um, and then I ended up running a, a, a fifth year because my freshman year, I didn't end up doing track in the spring. So I had an extra year of eligibility. Oh, cool. So I went back to uh, ESU and, and took a full course load there, and I actually ran uh, track there for a semester. 
broke two school records, cut my time down even more. Um, so at that point, I was like, ah, oh, maybe I could keep doing this. You know, at, at first at Gettysburg, I was like, oh, you know, I was happy. I had a good career. And yeah. then all of a sudden, I was like, you know, let's keep with it, right? So I, I started up running for ESU. And at that point, I was like, you know what? You know, I'm happy. I got two school records. I lowered my time. You know, I'll be, you know, I can hang it up for a while. And then uh, and then I started running, uh, I guess you call it, you know, pretty much pro. But it's it's pretty much the same as college almost okay. um, for a lot of people. For a lot of people that don't know, um, you know, a lot of pro athletes, they think like, especially in track, you don't make a ton of money. So like for me, it was like getting gear um, from New Balance and having them like pay for my entry fees and like travel expenses, um, things like that. So it wasn't like I was, you know, making a living on it. But uh, yeah, so then uh, yeah. so then from there, you, you so you were a pro basically at that point. But again, like right. you said, you're just getting equipment. So then uh, at the point, so what, what ended up happening? Did you eventually hit any good times that got you kind of to the next level or? Right. So I was kind of, you know, like I said, borderline, you know, on that, on that brink of, you know, breaking through. Um, but I was at the point where I wasn't, like I said, making any money. So I, I had to, you know, I had a full-time job. Um, so what actually ended up happening was I did that for a year, you know, pro, I guess you could call it. Um, and working full time and, and my body just started to break down because I was working 12 hour shifts in the hospital, um, and trying to run at the same time and compete at that high level. And I just, my feet, I got plantar fasciitis in both my feet. Um, I was completely just worn down and exhausted, like broke my body down. Uh, cause I was getting up at, you know, four fifty in the morning going for my run and then going working in the hospital for 12 hours. And, and I just couldn't, couldn't do it. Yeah, man. So now I'm just kind of, you know, I decided to start training for that, that marathon, but that got canceled now. So I've kind of just been doing like, you know, running for staying in shape and just, you know, for fun. That's cool. So when you hit a higher level than most people, well, most everybody will hit in their lives where <laughs> running right. professionally, like you said, it's not making a lot of money. It's not like a professional basketball player or anything, but you're, you're right. doing it at a high, high level. So right. when you and to put it in perspective, this, I was yeah. probably about like two seconds or so from uh, the Olympic trials. So, wow, yeah. So you're you're that's kind of like another echelon right there. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. a couple of things jumped out at me. Uh, you doing other sports? Do you feel like that helped you run? Uh, did any of that transition or translate into your running? So that, yeah, that's an interesting question. I think um, for me. You know, a lot of people, they, they start running at a super young age, especially now. It's like they start, you know, middle school or, or whatever, and they start running. Um, and I think that for me, it actually benefited me not starting so early because, you know, my body didn't, you know, it didn't have all those miles built up on it. And, you know, it wasn't like it didn't get boring. It didn't get stale. You know, I could go out there every day and just put the work in. So I think that definitely helped me, um, you know, not starting at such a young age. Yeah less wear and tear and the right. specific stuff. Right. Yeah. And I think the other thing that helped me too was like um, a lot of people when they start running too, they, they run year round. So they run in the fall, the winter and the spring. And I didn't start that until college because I had basketball in the winter. So it kind of broke it up for me. Cross training. Right. So again, <laughs> less wear and tear. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And so um, to go back to your, now, your question about. Um, 
Yeah, did it translate into run? Did like your football translate into help you run? I th- I think that it just it gave me the ability to kind of have that better form per se. I guess you know I never had my coaches really like correct my form per se. I think mm-hmm. it was like, all right, you should be running like this, and I could just go out and do it. And I think that had to do with um, my athletic ability from other sports. You know, just knowing my body and like um, you know proprioception. Yeah. So uh, proprioception and your 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 body's used to using your whole not not just your lower body but your upper body as well in these sports so it kind of seamlessly maybe kind of functionally works the body so now you know how to use those arms to project you forward absolutely yeah because you're yeah. you need to have you know be one unit yep yep now another thing um so running wasn't your passion originally did you actually did you kind of hate running or was it always kind of like a thing you didn't mind <laughs> that's a that's a good good question i like that question uh, so yeah, basketball is actually still my favorite sport to this day. Wow. Um, yeah. So people, oh, they're, they're like, oh, you must love running it. And for me, I was like, it was kind of like, um, I'm kind of at a weird state now, uh, because I like the competing aspect of it more than the mm-hmm. running aspect. So like training for me, it was boring. I didn't, you know, I didn't like it, but I looked forward to that race every week so that it helped me get through the training and the running because I like to compete and like push my body and like test my limits to see how far I could actually go. So it was more about that aspect of it than like just going out, you know, and running. So there's, there is hope for people who don't like running. Yeah. I, I still, <laughs> I still don't like it to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a necessary evil. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's great for you and it's a, yeah. it's a great stress reliever, but it's not it something good, yeah. that I, you know, it's not my favorite sport actually, which surprises yeah. a lot of people. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Now, I want to jump into some of these questions for uh, for people who that you would train and, and just people who are looking to start a running program or who are currently pretty advanced, maybe. Sure. Uh, so the first question is, common running techniques or um, that you would see that are faulty? So, for instance, let's say it's foot strike issues, whatever you see for a beginner, what's the first thing you would fix? Right. Okay. Um, so uh, there's, a, there's a couple uh, – big ones that uh right away i look for so like you said heel stri- uh strike like the foot strike uh yep. that's a big one so a lot of people when they're running they actually strike their foot with their heel first um which is you know causes a couple problems right off the bat one you're slow you're fighting yourself basically you're basically breaking you from going forward you're slowing your momentum down um but not only that it puts a lot of stress you know on your 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 anterior tib and your shin um, and, and your quad and leads to shin splints and other injuries like that. So a lot of people that have shin splints or problems with shin splints actually, um, you know, it could be a result of their foot strike. Yeah. So now I have a question. Is there a simple tip that you can give to kind of either make them aware of this or fix the issue? So um, my big thing is I first will look at their stride. Um, a lot of times they're reaching out too far in front of their body. So if their foot goes, you know, their leg goes out reaching too far in front of their body, um, naturally your heel is going to hit the ground first. You kind of want to be going into your next stride before your foot even hits the ground. So that way your foot lands more under your hips rather than out yeah. in front of you. That's interesting. That's really interesting. So like have, when I know you, you coach some people in running specifically. So 
uh, do you ha- do you find it's hard for them to get that body awareness of oh wait my heel's hitting I didn't even know my heel was hitting right so a lot of times <laughs> yeah you don't even realize you're doing it um, but once they're aware it becomes you know you know it's like blatant they're like oh man I'm really yeah. doing it so it becomes you know easier for them to correct uh, because they're super aware of it now but as, you know, whereas before they weren't. Um, and the other thing is like, if they've been running for a long time like that, it's harder for them, you know, like any habit, it's harder, yeah, for, yeah, it's harder for them to break that than, you know, if they're kind of just starting out like, you know, high school or whatever, um, it's easier for them to correct that because they haven't been running like that as long. That's interesting. So uh, another kind of thing you touched on was the fact that you had, uh, plantar fasciitis and as some of your injury history, right. Do you feel like the, what was the way you got out of that? I know it don't, without making it too complicated, was there a couple of specific things that really helped you fix that issue and then get you back to running? Right. So I think my situation, I've been blessed. Like I haven't ever been really injured. You know, that's a, that comes from a big thing that I like, I like to say, I know the difference between soreness and injury, uh, which yeah. is another topic we can get into later. But um, for me, I've been super blessed, uh, haven't been injured that much but like like you said the plantar fasciitis uh caught up to me i think that had to do more with just you know being on my feet and the amount of training i was doing while the amount of working i was doing so i was you know i was stretching every day they gave me i went to the doctor for different things they they gave you to do you could stretch your foot write the alphabet um with your foot in the air before you even get out of bed just to loosen it up yeah um so that that helps um obviously icing um, and like a lot of times the inserts will help, but for me, I, I'd rather just correct the, the problem rather than, um, go to the root of right. the issue so, rather than just put band-aids exactly. on. Exactly. Yeah. So when I stopped, you know, recently I stopped working so much at the hospital, um, because I got into school. So my feet have been great. So I think, you know, it just depends on, on the person, but there's definitely things you can do to prevent that. Um, you know, having the correct shoe a lot of times if, there's not enough arch support. People get plantar fasciitis. Okay. Um, so like, even if your shoe kind of wears down because you put too much mileage on it, switching that shoe put- could potentially address the issue you think? Yeah. So a lot of times people they'll, they'll run in shoes. I recommend, you know, uh, keeping track of your mileage and just switching out shoes, you know, every 400 to 500 miles or so, or, you know, if you start feeling some kind of pain before that, uh, you might want to get a new pair of shoes just cause they're breaking down. Okay. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, now, uh, as for um, another thing I want to touch on is, is examples of beginner running program. Let's say you, you're talking to a client right now who wants to start a running program, but they don't even know where to start. What would you suggest? That's a great question. So there is a lot of people that feel like every time I talk to someone, I feel like they're like, oh, that, you know, that's great. You run. I could never do that. But in reality, you and me both know like anybody could do it. It just, you have to, you know, know what you're doing and put the time in. So for someone like that, I would say, um, you know, you start with walking, right? So if they're walking 30 minutes a day or so, you start them out, you know, first week, walk 30 minutes every day. Next week, you might say, all right, so Monday, we're going to add in 20 second jogs or 15 second jogs. So we'll walk for five minutes, jog for 20 seconds, walk for the 40 seconds go on back and forth between walking and jogging. Um, and then, you know, the next day could be walking and then walk, jog. And then the next week, you know, all, all the days will be walk, jog. 
And then eventually you want to increase the amount of time you're jogging. So that way you're walking half, jogging half. And then uh, you want to get to the point where you're jogging the whole thing. So you just have to start slow, uh, listen to your body. But anybody could do it. Um, you just have to start with walking and then add those, like I said, add those jogs in. Um, yeah. And then that's the it's, easiest way to do it. It's funny. I, I don't know who exactly coined it, but one of the guys I follow, uh, one of my favorite strength coaches, he said, uh, the most powerful thing on earth is slow, progressive overload. Right. And I feel like right there, it's just a matter of learning to read your body and taking it slow and steady. And it's the most powerful thing in the world. Next thing you know, you'll be running. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's seriously like you, you'd be so surprised how many people, if they, if they did that, you know, they surprise themselves because I call it the so-called fitness needle. You know, you have to, you have yeah. to move it slowly. Each workout you do, you know, is a specific reason to move that needle a little bit further along without, you know, overtraining or, you know, breaking your body down. That's a really good analogy. I like that. Cause then it, a lot of people, I feel like I was talking with my last guest on uh, Morgan that, uh, you know, people want to push hard and they feel like they have not done a good workout unless they totally, absolutely crush their soul. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> And it's just not the truth. And I think when you're an athlete at a certain level, like I think you are, uh, you realize that if you train that way, you'll just break yourself down. You have to also build yourself up. Exactly. And ru yeah, yeah, running is just a thing where, you you know, it's a slow process. Like it's going to take time. It's going to be terrible in the beginning. Like you're going to be super yeah. sore. But I say once you get past that first week, week and a half, two weeks, after that, your body, you know, adapts and adjusts. Adapts. Yep. Um, that's cool. And then, like I said, you know, those runs, the uh, workouts, you know, I say there's generally like a, a week and a half, you know, two week lag. So something um, like if I'm doing a certain workout on Tuesday of this week, that's not going to actually help me with my fitness level until, you know, a week or two weeks down the road. So you have to keep yeah. that in mind, too. The super compensation doesn't happen until a little later down the road. Right. Gives you makes you a little stronger. Um, now, we're looking at. Um, let's say now you have an advanced runner, you have somebody who's been running for a while, maybe they're hitting a plateau or they just want to switch up their program for the advanced runner. What would you suggest program wise for them? Right. So like right now it's kind of a weird time. Um, running's like one of the things you can do right now, but like, I, you know, all the races are canceled. Like I said, my marathon got canceled. Yeah. Um, and so running is, is like, a, especially competitively is, is cyclical. So it's all about, you know, resting at the proper time, building up at the proper time, all the peak for that, you know, race you want to run. Um, so right now, like people were building up and then they were trying to peak for the race they were about to run. But now that race got canceled. So they're looking down the road further. So instead of, you know, training hard, super hard like they were, they're probably in super good shape. I would recommend taking some time off and then, you know, building it back up with some some base miles. And then uh, looking further down the road to peak for a, a, a race at a later time rather than overtraining. That's really interesting that you, you're talking about. I mean, it seems like it would go against their nature. Right. Because they have just been ready to start the peak, but now you're telling them, take a break. Yeah. And a lot of people <laughs> so, don't want to hear that, you know, including myself. Yeah. It, it's hard sometimes to, to take a break because you're like, well, I was in such good shape. Like I was disappointed about my marathon. But like anybody else, you know, you can get back to that fitness, you know. You don't really lose uh, fitness. Like you could take probably up to four or five days off and still be, you know, only lose a little bit, actually. Yeah. So then, like, what would that break look like? Is it active recovery or are you talking about a legit just stop? 
So that depends on the person too. Like, um, and the other thing you want to do is vary uh, your surfaces. So, you know, that, that affects health too. So you don't want to do all your runs on the road, but uh, taking a break. So uh, when I ran in college, I always, my coach always made us take breaks. So like, like I said, when I got to college, I was running year round. So we ran cross country in the fall. Then he would, you know, track was in the winter, but he would make us take, you know, one to two weeks just completely off. You know, I say do uh, what's called like recreational activities, you know, keep it light. So like if you like playing basketball, go shoot hoops, go for a hike, go for a walk. But yeah, I, I tell people, you know, take, you know, one to two to three weeks just doing recreational activities, take off, uh, give your body and your, your mental uh, capacity a break and then uh, and then get back into it. So, yeah, so basically, again, touching on that cross-training kind of method. Exactly, yeah, you can uh, add some cross-training. Yeah, that that really touches into kind of the, the last topic I wanted to touch on, and that is, do you feel like strength training is a good cross-training method, or do you feel like it's not useful for runners? Right, so I, I think uh, a big misconception a lot of runners have, like, not you know, not even runners, but a lot of people have, is if they lift weights, they're going to get huge which is, yeah. you know, you and me both know that's not the case. <laughs> so if you're doing it the proper way, um, you know, lifting is, is vital for, for running. I remember my junior to senior year in college, um, I dropped a ton of time and everybody was asking me, like, what did you do differently? Um, I actually got in the weight room a lot more. So, like, you know, when I was a little bit younger, I wasn't in the weight room as much. I didn't think I necessarily needed it, you know, because you're running. You're like, I just need to run more and do more workouts. Um, but yeah, I got in the weight room more and cause you need that strength. You need, you know, to develop some strength, uh, power to get around the track, but not only that, but like you, your, your specialty is, is correctives. Um, you know, the weight room can help with injury resistance also. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, I, I see it, uh, with the lower body, especially for runners. I feel like if you can strength train some of those very, abstract muscles that no one ever strength right you're actually you're actually increasing your ability to absorb energy so taking it off the joints and putting it into the muscles. right yeah you're activating you're activating yeah different muscles um you know you're adding stability um yeah so all of that goes to you know like i said strength and power like for me i did you know i started deadlifting and like my hamstrings got a lot stronger and i thought that that gave me the necessary power and strength to finish a race at the end over Very over other people yeah it's funny i know when i when i i actually ran cross country before not even nowhere near your level but, <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't i wasn't that but, great at cross though no you were, yeah so I, I was running a 1930 at best okay. uh but uh i i was i always remember my hamstrings being so sore and i never i didn't strength train that much when i was in high school right and I just remember my leg muscles being crushed after every run and being like, I wonder if I strength train, maybe I, would I get faster? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so true. <laughs> and then like, I had a teammate in college that was so against it. Like we would, uh, I'd be in the weight room like three times a week. And then on top of that, like we did circuit, like body weight circuits as a team. So like I was doing a yeah. ton of, of stuff and he was, he would even just like dog the circuits. He didn't even want to, you know, do those. Uh, but he was a longer a distance guy and he, uh, he actually got injured a lot. So I would always tell him, I'm like, uh-huh. I'm like, man, you got to get in the weight room. Even if you're doing like, you know, stuff to prevent injury, that's enough. 
And, and like you said, going back to the hamstring, like a lot of people think, all right, let me do you know squats and and leg extensions and different things like that, but they neglect the hamstring. Like your hip yeah. flexor is pulling okay. your leg forward, but once your foot strikes, your hamstring pulls your body forward. So, yep, the drive phase there. Yeah, it's it's amazing how much muscle you need for running. I mean, I, I think it's a lot of times overlooked also because you do kind of get some of that soreness out of there in the first couple of weeks, like you mentioned, but you don't see how much more power you would have been able to put into it um, until you get stronger. Right. Yeah. And like Hills, I think part of the reason why I I got as fast as I did was because around me, there's, you know, I didn't have any choice, but to run Hills. And I think Hills are, are great, not only just for your fitness level, but leg strength. It's basically, you know, whether you're just adding Hills into your runs or doing, hill repeats or hill sprints um it's basically like leg you know lifting for your legs without lifting yeah that's all i know a lot of people who are big lovers of the hill sprints because it is a resistance like exercise right now upper body strength my coach in cross country would always mention you got to have an up strong upper body to get to kick at the end and he said that that was my strong point because i had a stronger upper body than most cross country runners do you find legitimacy in these maybe shorter distance or end of a race, longer distance runs? Right. Yeah. So you definitely have to be, you know, there has to be a balance. Uh, you don't want to just do like lower body stuff. Um, but yeah, definitely upper body because you know, what happens if you're running a longer race or, you know, even a shorter race, like as soon as you get tired, it, you have to, you know, um, consciously focus on your form because it breaks down naturally. Like once you get tired, your form gets worse. So having that, you know, that strength allows you to keep your form, I feel like, better um, at the end of a race rather than, you know, not having that strength. Your form starts to deteriorate uh, and you won't be able to finish as fast. Yeah. And for some of the advanced runners, when your form gets worse and you're in a training situation, how long would you have them linger in that kind of fatigued, I can barely control my form kind of state in a training situation so in a training situation most of the time um people should be doing you know maybe you know if they're running six or seven times a week um two of those should be what i call workouts which are you know if you're on the you know on the track or doing hills hill repeats um those are your harder days they should be like intervals tempos uh different things like that speed work those should be your hard days so at the end of those you should get to the end of those and your form should start to go. But other than that, if you're on a normal training run, you should be going at a pace um, where you can maintain your form. Otherwise you're, you're going too fast. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, you're kind of in creating a habit of learned bad form, right? right? If you're continuously kind of pushing too hard through that. Um, Now um, I kind of to reiterate here, um, you, one of the things you mentioned was the heel strike was the most common technique thing for beginners or for runners that you see. Is there any other technique? Issues? Yeah, there's a couple other big ones here. Um, so other than foot strike, uh, your arms, a lot of people, you know, their arm, you watch people run, you see a different way each time how people move their arms. Um, but you want to, you want to move your arms in a way that helps you get down the road, down the track, down the trail whatever you're running on um instead of just you know moving them you want them to help you propel you forward so a lot of people they'll have their arms kind of um 
like in front with their elbows out, kind of going back and forth across their body. Um, okay. You want to pretend like there's a, a line down the center of your body, and you don't want your hands going across that line. So you want to pretend like I got almost like a 90-degree angle on my arm, and I call it uh, pocket to socket. So basically, when you reach back with one arm, um, say my left arm goes back, my hand should be almost, you know, like you're reaching in your back pocket almost. That's why the pocket comes from. And then as that arm pumps forward, uh, it should be socket, like straight forward. So like almost like you're reaching towards your eye. Okay, so it's the arms are kind of uh, reciprocally or alternating in a driving motion or arm action right so as your so as my left leg steps forward uh my right arm should be going forward and my left arm should be back so then that kind of ties into that upper body and lower body having to coordinate and work together with a lot of runs with with running technique in general right um so uh, yeah i think again i if you can get yourself stronger upper body in that sense i feel like that would help as well with some of that connecting the upper to the lower would you agree? yeah absolutely you need to be you know one unit you, your upper body helps your lower body your lower body gets you forward so you're kind of one moving machine um and especially up hills too like your arm uh drive is huge to help get you up a hill especially oh. in like a cross-country race oh. and the other now there's one more yeah what's the other there's one more big thing that a lot of people will do so you want to have like a, a slight lean forward uh, while you're running, you know, because obviously that'll help you propel you forward a little bit. Uh, where people go wrong is they start bending from their waist and their torso kind of just leans forward. So now your uh, your upper body's kind of um, crouched over a little bit. Your lungs aren't open, your chest, you know, your shoulders aren't back. Um, they're kind of like bent over. You want to, you know, you want to bend from your ankles so that your your body is straight, but your, your, bent, your slight lean com- comes from your ankles. So if you're standing straight, straight up and down with your legs locked out, you can just lean forward and you'll feel how um, eventually you have to step forward. Or otherwise, you'll just fall on your face. But yeah. you, that's what you want to feel like while you're running. You want to have that, that angle from your ankles and not from your hips. So it seems like you're saying it's not a bad, right. it's a subtle fall. Exactly. Forward. So yeah, when you when you're focusing on the bow, all of a sudden you're turning the whole upper body, lower body connection yep. off. Yeah, and your core is not yeah, your core is not helping you at all, uh, which is it was just big too for running because running's a uses your core a lot too for stability. Yeah, uh, it seems like there's endless things that you could talk about technique wise. Yeah, there's a, there's a ton. It's a ton. It, it can get pretty advanced, but um, right now. Uh, that's all we have for today for our uh, questions and everything. Uh, but I look forward to talking to you again and maybe touching on some of more of the injury prevention stuff and maybe some specific, more specific techniques on another podcast. If you're, if you're, yeah, ready. absolutely. Uh, I had a lot of fun. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. And I look forward to uh, seeing you. Again. Absolutely. All right. Have Take a good care, one, man. Nate. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed it. And join us next time, May 1st. It's a Friday, two weeks from now. And we'll have a special guest. And we'll talk about fitness community and a bunch of other good things. So join in. Remember, this is the HQ Fit Podcast. We're not just a gym. It's a lifestyle.